It is the month of Elul, and it's a time of looking inward and a time of making tshuva. And tshuva is something we've been talking about for thousands of years. It's not a new concept. The concept tshuva comes from the word return, and there's lots of different understandings of that. A major concept behind it is that, well, in other religions you may have original sin. We believe that you are born, those little babies that are going to come up here, are perfect. Innocent and perfect. No baggage. And then, as life goes on, we build up baggage. And so, this season is about actually scraping away that baggage and returning to who you really are. So it's not a season about becoming anyone different, saying, oh, next year I really want to be like this person. We're actually trying to become more and more like ourselves. We spoke about this for many, many generations, and then Maimonides came along. And what Maimonides did here at the very top, he operationalized the system. He said, I'm going to give you a formula, and if you follow this formula, this is what tshuva is. So I want us to take a look at what he says here, because it really does break it down and makes it it's difficult to do. But it's very simple. It's one sentence here. So I'm going to just skip down to the very top of the page here. He says, when a man or woman commits any sin that people commit, because we know people miss, commit them. And one thing I should also tell you, this is a translation. We don't have the word sin in Hebrew. We have hate. And hate, it comes from, you're actually, it, it's like archery when you shoot an arrow and you know where the target is, and you miss the target, you knew where it was. You knew where you wanted your arrow to go, but you missed it. That's, that's a hate. That's actually missing the mark. And so you're saying, I knew what I was supposed to do, and I'm going to try to hit the mark next year. Okay, so there's a big difference. Even, so even though we have the word sin here, think the word hate. It's very different. So when a man or woman commits any hate that people commit, then they shall confess their hate, which they have done. And this means a verbal confession which is commanded positively to do so, and is reformed by saying, here it is, pay close attention, O Lord, I have sinned, transgressed, and rebelled before you, and have done such and such, and I'm ashamed by my actions, and I will never do it again. Close quote. So this he puts together, this, there's actually four steps in there that a person needs to do in order to apologize. And there's a part of it that I think as Americans is actually very difficult because we don't do it very often. So the first section here is recognition. It's actually saying, look, this is what I've done. That's what this hurt. Oh, Lord, I've sinned, I've transgressed, I've rebelled. I'm recognizing that I've clearly done something wrong. And then you say, I've done such and such. So not only have you said I've done something wrong, but I'm going to identify exactly what I did. I'm not just going to say, Marsha, I'm really sorry if I hurt you in any way this year please forgive me. Because I actually haven't identified exactly what I've done. So I need to identify exactly what I did. That one time I kicked you in the shins. I'm sorry. So it's it's identifying the specific piece here. And once you've identified it, this is the hard part, you have to have regret. I'm ashamed. You have to say to the person, I deeply regret in the deepest part of my kishkis what I did, meaning I'll never want to do it again, which you then say, I will never do it again. Now, there are some commentators who come along and say, you've actually have not made tshuva, you've not actually returned until you're confronted with the exact same situation again, and then you don't transgress. And then you've made complete tshuva. You with me so far? Okay, so here's the game show part. 
I got this lesson from Dr. Erica Brown, and she is modern Orthodox woman who lives in Washington is mind-blowingly brilliant. And I went to go see her give a lecture because David Brooks wrote about her. If you remember a few years ago, he wrote about her in a column. And he was talking about basically all the very powerful people he knows will go and learn with this woman and explained why he thought she was amazing. And it coincidentally, she was coming to the JCC three weeks later. So I went to go see her. So this lesson comes from her. So I want you to get back together in groups of people you don't really know. And you have four quotes here, and I don't tell you who they're from. So the game show is, I want you to, A, figure out who the person was, name the confessor, they're all famous people, you know who they all are. And then I want you to look at their apology. This actually comes from IamSorry.com. These are their official apologies. I want you to figure out who it is, and does this fall under the category of tshuva, according to Maimonides? And if not... What do they miss? I'll give you three minutes. So turn, find someone you don't really know, and go through the four quotes and break them apart. I'm going to begin with the very first one here. I'm terribly sorry that I put the staff in that position. Inadvertently, I just wasn't thinking ahead. Anybody want to guess? Who? No, David Letterman. David Letterman. Does this follow Rambam's guide of tshuva? Why not? Not specific, what else? Huh? Exactly, and there's no regret here. So those two, David Letterman, he fails the test. Number two, so I apologize. Okay, he's not Jewish. I think he's Southern. <laughs> I can't do us even though. So I apologize. Sometimes we go too far. Sometimes we go way too far. In this case, we went way too far. Don Imus. It. There's no regret, correct? And what else, even more important than no regret? It's not personal. There's not a single I in this sentence. It's all about the we, and it was him. So, another fail, Don Imus. I never intended for my comments to be picked up and broadcast on sleazy gossip TV shows or on other blogs. I'm sorry to have hurt Marie Osborne, who is the most open-minded person in her whole family. Roseanne Barr. Is this an apology? No. No, it's just saying, ugh, I wish I, hadn't, I didn't set, hit the send button on my email. You know, I'm so sorry that that got sent to you. I shouldn't have sent it. I shouldn't have texted you that. It's not an apology. It's not an identification. There's no regret. It's just saying, ugh, I wish they hadn't have picked it up. I stopped living by the core values that I was taught to believe in. I knew my actions were wrong, but I convinced myself that normal rules didn't apply. I never thought about who I was hurting. Instead, I thought only about myself. I ran straight through the boundaries that a married couple should live by. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and I deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. I felt I was entitled. 
Tiger Woods, you got it. Is this an apology? I think everyone saw this apology. Didn't you see this apology? Why is this not an apology? Correct. I didn't say he's never going to do it again. There's also, if you saw it, there wasn't a lot of emotion. It almost seemed like a, a speechwriter wrote this thing. And he put the words out there. So the intent is not there. Now the Talmud states that if you sin one time, it's hard. Two times, eh, a little less hard. Three times, it's easy. And then we just keep doing it over and over and over again. So in many respects, the rabbis, they start putting these, they call it a fence around a fence. They build these fences around our rules to make sure that we don't even get close to them. And if we look at what the answer to that, what Dr. Erica Brown argues, is that in all of these cases, the fundamental problem in these situations is that we usually sit back and we go, oh, I can't believe those people are acting this way. They're in Governor Spitzer. They're in these big roles of power. But what she argues is that one of the problems is that as you elevate in power, people around you gain power by simply being in your shadow. So therefore, people are afraid to say anything to you. Because if I'm the person that says to Tiger Woods, what are you doing? You're married. He might kick me to the curb and I lose all of my power and my influence. And so what she pulls out is Maimonides' laws of character here at the bottom of the page. I'll read it and then I'll tell you what I think. It's a mitzvah for a person who sees that this fellow Jew has sinned or is following an improper path to attempt to correct his behavior and to inform him that he is causing himself a loss by his evil deeds. As Leviticus 19.17 states, quote, you shall surely admonish your colleague, unquote. A person who rebukes a colleague, whether because of a wrong committed against him or because of a matter between his colleague and God, should rebuke him privately. He should speak to him patiently and gently, informing him that he is only making these statements for his colleagues. Oh, I've cut that off there. Over here, I'm sorry. For his colleagues' own welfare to allow him to merit the life of the world to come. If he accepts the rebuke, it is good. If not, he should rebuke him a second and a third time. Indeed, one is obligated to rebuke a colleague who does wrong until the latter strikes him and tells him, I will not listen. Whoever has the possibility of rebuking and fails to do so is considered responsible for that sin. For he had the opportunity to rebuke the sinners. It's a very powerful statement. Because it goes in the face of this idea that people, when they're around others, even when it's with the best friend, and you may disagree with what they're doing, you go, but if I say that, I might lose the friendship. So what Maimonides does here, he says, look, it's very clear, I'm taking this out of the Torah, is that you have an obligation to that person to tell them that what they are doing is wrong. And if you don't, it's as if you are doing what is wrong. And that's the reason why, well, throughout this service, why we're constantly turning to one another introducing ourselves to people we don't know. Because community is the foundational principle in all of this. When each one of these individuals in power is left alone, that's when they start going astray. It's not that it's not a normal thing to do. It's a very normal thing to do. But that's why we live in community. So we can call each other out and say, look, what you're doing, I got to tell you, it's wrong. You need to think about it. 
Even if I'm putting myself at risk, when we live inside of a community and a system that is willing to call each other out on our stuff, we start living in a much healthier communal environment and individual environment because there's a balance there. And we start seeing that just because one person might be in this high level of power or this friend you have you're very close to and you're afraid if you lose them, you're going to be lonely, you start living in a system you're saying, I am part of that sin then. By them committing the sin, I'm committing the sin. By them living positively in the world, suddenly I'm also living positively in the world. And so I want to leave you with these texts here into these final two weeks of Elul as a guide. Because it is a time that we're thinking. It's a time that we are apologizing. And it's powerful to have a very clear system of how to do this. Of where you recognize what you did. You identify it. You actually regret it. Because if you don't get to the regret, it's just going to happen again. And if you're not at the regret, it means you really don't understand why you're apologizing or how you're affecting other people in the world. And then to make sure that when it occurs, you never do it again. And to flip that on its head and to realize that you have that responsibility to every single person around you. Shabbat Shalom.